0: Good evening, Rifters! This is Rifts and Rules, the 5 e TD T&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and hard-to-gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today, we're here to talk about Sidekicks Part 2, Experts and Spellcasters! So... Uh, We talked on Tuesday about the basics of sidekicks as well as going through the warrior class. So today we'll be going through the expert and the spellcaster. Uh, Before I get into those, I realized that there is something that I did forget to mention in Tuesday's episode that is incredibly important. So I'm just going to go ahead and lead with that. And that is how does experience work with sidekicks? So there is a small blurb in the dungeon masters guide talking about when there are other people in the party they get a full share of experience. And that is the relevant rule for sidekicks. So they take up an entire share of the experience because even though they are a simplified version of a class, they are still considered to be a full member of the party for the sake of experience. So if you have two player characters and a sidekick, And then you kill something that is a thousand experience, then that does mean it would be that, you know, three hundred and thirty three each because it is an even split of experience. And then they will level up at the usual levels of experience as a normal character does. So that is a very important thing to keep in mind if you are going to use sidekicks in your game is that they are indeed entitled to experience and using that to level themselves just as a normal character does and in the event that you are in a situation where you have multiple sidekicks with the party like let's say that you do have the kind of party that just likes taking tagalongs and they have two or three extra sidekicks in the party then that does mean that the amount of experience is that much more diluted for the parties level up themselves. On the other hand, because of the fact that this is full characters that are helping out in combat, that makes sense. They ought to be getting all of that extra experience because they're there in the thick of things with the player characters. So that is a perfectly logical and reasonable thing for them to get a fair share of experience as they adventure alongside a normal party. So keep that in These mind. These psychics are taking our jobs. <laughs> Take your jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But if you do have a you know, low population party, if you do only have like two or three people, it can be incredibly valuable to them to have a sidekick in the party. So it is up to, you know, the DM and players together to decide, is that something that is worth that trade off to them? And at least in most situations, just my argument would be, yeah, that could absolutely be worth it. If there is a skill set that the party needs and doesn't have. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and dive right in. Excuse me, to experts and spellcasters. So, we'll go ahead and start with the expert. So, oh, actually, shoot, I just noticed another thing that I had unfortunately forgotten to mention. So, I did mention that all of the examples given of sidekicks in the essentials kit are humanoid. However, I did not mention the races at all. And there is just a short mention that a DM can choose when making a sidekick to apply the racial bonus of character of a race to the sidekick characters. So in the event that you do have, let's say, a tiefling expert then they would get the usual tiefling bonuses to charisma and intelligence. So that is something to keep in mind. If you are building an expert, then because of the fact that a lot of them do have, you know, odd numbered stats, that that could be a way by just using convenient racial bonuses like, uh, you know, variant humans, plus one, plus one to st- whatever, or a half elfs you know, charisma boost and plus one, plus one that that could be a very convenient way for a DM to just round off those odd numbers. And just the OCD side of me just very much thinks about that angle of things. because I hate odd numbered ability scores with a passion, but that's just me.
1: It is known that I have my preferences anyway. Experts, so. The level
0: So experts in general get proficiency with simple weapons, rapiers, short swords, and light armor. So they are not super well geared to be in the thick of things. And an expert in general is almost a kind of amalgamation of a bard and a rogue. So they are not the most damagey type character but they do have some real useful abilities. So at level one, they start out with Studded Leather, and they have ability scores of 10 Strength, 15 Dex, 12 Constitution, 13 Intelligence, 10 Wisdom, and 14 Charisma. And also just one proficient saving throw in Dexterity. And Expert is meant to be the skillful type character. You know, Expert, Skills. Checks out. So they start out with the skills (gasps) acrobatics, performance, persuasion, sleight of hand, and stealth. So they also get common as well as a language of their choice. They have proficiency with thieves' tools and a musical instrument. So, like I said, kind of bard slash rogue. Also, at level one, they get an incredibly helpful feature. Helpful. The expert can take the help action as a bonus action. So I've talked in the past about my kind of love, hate relationship with the help action, about how it is arguably too useful. So using it as a bonus action is a very strong feature for a character at level one. So then finally, much like the well, all of these sidekicks, honestly, they do start out with uh, 2d8 as their starting hit dice. So 2d8 plus 2 for an average hit point total of 11. Then they will start leveling up. So at second level, they will get cunning action. On the expert's turn in combat, they can dash, disengage, or hide as a bonus action. So that one lifted straight from the rogue. An incredibly useful feature to give them a lot more combat versatility with their bonus action. So between that and helpful, like it's honestly quite a decision to decide what to do with your bonus action as an expert because they have a lot of very useful things. Next up, expertise. Choose two of your skill proficiencies, double the proficiency bonus for ability checks expert makes using either of the chosen proficiencies. So this is actually kind of interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, just expertise is fantastic. It's just amazingly useful feature. But this is one of the very few things where you actually get a choice for a sidekick. So you do get to pick which of those two skills you get the expertise in. So do you want to be that kind of more roguelike and go sleight of hand stealth? Or do you want to be that more bard like and go performance persuasion? So the fact that you do get to kind of steer a little bit is quite nice. Then, up at level 4, Ability Score Improvement, Uh, increase Dex by 2, Raising,
1: Modifiers, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Wait a minute. What the hell? I don't know if I just found a typo. Interesting.
0: (laughs) Interesting. So I was just scrolling along and I looked at the picture they have of the character sheet for the seventh level version. And instead of actually having it be the dexterity going from 15 to 17, as that seemed to imply, the dexterity is up to 16, but the intelligence is up to 14. So it doesn't actually seem like they statted it with... Plus two dex. They did plus one dex. Plus one
1: intelligence. What? How they fuck that up? Okay. Probably copied it from somewhere. Uh, I guess, but how did they do? I r- forgot to edit it. That's ridiculous. Did they do this anywhere? Wait a minute. What is happening here? I think they might have uh, done this with all of them. How dare oh. they? Yep. Yeah, somebody was they like, oh, let's copy printing and paste. Of, It looks like
0: all of them have this. All of the fourth level ability score improvements are not actually plus two. It's a plus one plus one to round out those odd numbers I mentioned
1: earlier. How do they not? What the fuck? okay all right deep breaths remy (laughs) all right everyone we all just learned something together
0: (laughs) even wizards Mm, is not perfect so it looks like all of the sidekicks fourth level ability score improvement is fucked up it is not actually the primary stat plus two it is plus one to that and then plus one to one of the secondary stats to round it off to an even number They just don't mention that in the level up section. For reasons. (laughs) All right, I have to move past this or I'm just I've already lost it. Oh, my God. All right. Level five, (laughs) proficiency bonus. So as usual, proficiency bonus goes up boosting saving throws, skills and the to hit. Then extra attack at level six. Expert can attack twice instead of once when it takes the attack action on its turn. So like I mentioned before, fighters tend to get that at level five, but as a sidekick, they get it here at level six. This is interesting, though, because rogues typically do not get extra attack ever. So the fact that a rogue does get extra attack is just a nice thing in its own right. Just as a downside, I do keep mentioning the comparison to classes, but it is also very important to keep in mind that the expert doesn't not have sneak attack. So they do not have the damage output of a rogue, but they do have a very significant amount of skills and they can certainly hold their own in combat. But they are definitely not going to put out the damage of a rogue. But considering how complicated a feature sneak attack can be, it could be argued that that's actually advantageous that they just have a simpler feature like extra attack to give them more damage instead of something more complicated like sneak attack. So once we then move on to the next uh, book for me to find the level seven stuff. So level seven expert. Ooh, they get a rather interesting boost at level 7, actually. So I mentioned earlier that they get that feature helpful to cast help as a bonus action. So that gets a buff. The creature who receives the help gains a d6 bonus to the d20 roll. If the roll is an attack roll, the creature can forego adding the bonus to it And instead, if the attack hits, add the bonus to the damage roll against one target. That is really cool, actually. So first off, the fact that that isn't the type of feature of, you know, dexterity modifier times per day or once per short rest. They could just do that every turn as a bonus action. So the fact that they can, with help as a bonus action, grant advantage. So grant advantage and then they can choose to add the D6 to the attack roll or gamble and choose to not add it to the attack roll and save it to, if they hit, add it to the damage. That is an awesome feature. Then still at level seven, they get an additional thing, evasion. So when the expert is not incapacitated, and subject to an effect that lets it make a dexterity saving throw to take half damage, it instead takes no damage if it succeeds on the save and only half damage if it failed. So this is another feature that is straight lifted from the rogue, and it is fantastic. So this is a spell that, let's say, the party wizard gets a little overzealous and launches a fireball to all of the enemies, but the rogue is also there. Then this lets a rogue... If they succeed on the saving throw from a dexterity save, then they take no damage. And even if they fail the save, still only take half. So that is a hugely valuable feature. So level seven is a good one for experts. Then at level eight, they get ability score improvement. So increase dex by two, which will raise your initiative, any acrobatic sleight of hand or stealth checks, your AC. So that is quite nice. Uh, Also, I do, I'm double checking now because I'm freaking paranoid. But yes, this one does that correctly. It is indeed actually two points to decks at eighth level. Level nine is actually a little bit odd because you don't actually get any feature at ninth level as an expert. You just get the normal hit point boost. And
1: that's. That's it. So that's a little odd. All right. Yeah, double checking
0: just to see if there is anything I'm missing, but that does indeed appear to be the case.
1: Wait a minute. I have a theory. Yes. Okay. so ninth level, it does have something that happens. I need to double-check some math, because I am unfortunately now distrustful of a lot of what this says. So please pardon me, as my paranoia is insisting, I be sure. I thought so. So, it mentions
0: at 5th level that you do get the proficiency boost from 2 to 3. However, ninth level is the point where it goes up again
1: from three to four. But that's not listed here. For reasons. (sighs) Uh, I need to become a fucking editor for Wizards. This is intolerable.
0: (laughs) How do you publish official content like this and not spell check and just check your math? So for the record, it doesn't list it, but they do have a picture of the ninth level
1: character sheet. So looking at it, I can see that it does indeed from the picture of the
0: seventh level version, and the picture of the ninth level version, it goes up from plus six to plus eight. So the dexterity boost of level eight would give it a plus one. And there's no listed reason for that additional plus one. But that would indeed imply that it is the proficiency boost going up. So it does get the level nine proficiency boost. It
1: just doesn't say so. God, that's infuriating. (laughs) Anyway. Level 10 is also kind of
0: interesting. Most classes get ability score improvements at 4, 8, 12, 16, and 19. Expert gains an additional one now at level 10. Which gives it an additional plus two dex, which is interesting because at that point, that is maxing out the dexterity score at 20 at level 10. So a level 10 expert has a maxed dexterity of 20. So that is pretty nice for their initiative, for their skills, for their armor class. Good on them. And then on at level 11, reliable talent. Whenever the expert makes an ability check that includes its whole proficiency bonus, it can treat a d20 roll of 9 or lower as a 10. So yet again, this is another one just lifted from the rogue. But this feature I'm pretty sure I mentioned back in the rogue episode is one of the most useful class features in the game. So especially for a character like the expert or the rogue, who has so many skill proficiencies, this feature means that every, of every one of those skills that it has proficiency with, it doesn't matter if you roll badly. If you roll a 1 on the d20 roll, it still counts as a 10. Because a, a 1 on an attack roll is a crit fail. There is no such thing for skill checks. So even a one on the die just gets treated as a 10, which then means that with an expert who has, you know, a lot of useful skills. So at, at this level, their stealth is a plus 12, which would mean that even if they rolled a one on the die, they still are counted as having a 22 on that check. And that is just fantastic. All of the skills that they do have that proficiency with get that boost. And then finally, we go on to level 12 with a final ability score improvement. So this time, because dexterity is maxed out, it adds it to the charisma score this time,
1: which will give an additional nice boost to performance and persuasion. And that's it. So that is the expert. So now let's go on back to talk about
0: spellcasters. So I mentioned at the start in Tuesday's episode that spellcasters are the only one of the sidekick classes that actually has a choice in terms of a subclass. So there are two. There is the mage and the healer. And both of them have some fantastic abilities because magic is always a particularly useful thing. So having a mage for some extra damage for the party or a healer. Well, I I hope I don't at this point have to talk about how useful having a healer in a party is. So the spellcaster in general, uh, like I mentioned before, it has D8 hit dice, as all sidekicks do, which means that they are just as durable as a cleric or a warlock or a rogue with D8 hit dice. So still less than, of course, a fighter or paladin or a barbarian, but more than a normal wizard or sorcerer. So that is a pretty nice little bonus for them. So their stats are a 10 in strength, 12 dexterity, 10 con, 15 int, 14 wiz, and 13 charisma. So, as expected of a spellcaster, very good mental ability scores. And they start out with wisdom saving throws as their only proficiency,
1: and training in arcana, investigation, and religion. So, one thing that is also kind of interesting about this, so you get to pick your magical role at level 1.
0: So whether you are a healer or mage, you do get to pick immediately. So, if you're a healer, then wisdom becomes your spellcasting modifier. And if you are a mage, then it is, of course, your intelligence. So, one, again, kind of good, kind of bad aspect of the spellcaster in general is that all of its spells are pre selected. So, a dungeon master, at least by rules as written, does not pick the spells that a spellcaster has. They are All listed as we go along, it says they gain, you know, these spells. So a mage will get access to the cantrips, firebolt and light, and then with their two first level slots can cast the sleep spell, while a healer gets guidance and sacred flame and then cure wounds as their level one spell. And they do also have a quarterstaff that they're able to use, but not particularly well. So one other little detail about spellcasters that makes them rather different than, well, other spellcasting classes is the fact that spellcasters gain proficiency with simple weapons and light armor. So again, unlike wizards and sorcerers, they could get, you know, leather or even studded leather armor once they have the gold for it. So having that little bit of armor proficiency can help make them a little bit less squishy. So good on them. So then, they will start leveling up. So, I'm not going to kind of branch out talking about the mage and then talking about the healer, because in the actual level up blocks, it just mentions both at the same time. So I'm just going to go through it as it is written here.
1: So, at level 2, they... Actually, sorry, before I get that, uh, just a little detail I noticed. So
0: I did mention, of course, that they do have the d8 hit die. Unfortunately, because of the fact that they are built to have a zero constitution, they are still going to be a little bit on the squishy side. So even though they do indeed get an additional d8 every level, they do not get any constitution bonus because they don't have any constitution bonus. So just keep your eyes open for an amulet of health. That would very much be the best friend of this class. Anyway. Level two, the spellcaster learns another first level spell, bless for a healer or burning hands for a mage. Simple enough. Level three, spellcaster gains one first level spell slot, also another first level spell. So shield of faith for a healer or shield for a mage. Ah, shield, such a fun spell. So at that point, they'll have three first level spell slots. Then at level four, the spell, ca- so the mage's intelligence goes up by two, or the healer's wisdom score goes up by two. Uh, also, the healer learns the cantrip resistance, and the mage learns the cantrip mage hand. So, because of course I don't actually trust what it tells me anymore, I'm just curious and checking the stat blocks. So, and I'm right. Damn. So it does look like mage does not get a plus two to intelligence. It gets a plus one to intelligence and a plus one to charisma to round that out. While the healer does actually get plus two to wisdom to boost it from 14 to 16. So once again, they just flat out got all of the sidekicks level four ability score improvements wrong. Grumble, grumble. Level five proficiency bonus, proficiency up by one as usual, which will boost saving throw skills and the to hit of spell and weapon attacks. Also, the g- they gain one first level spell slot and two second level spell slots. So that is a very nice thing for them. Uh, they also gain one second level spell, aid for the healer or invisibility for the mage. Oh, that's always a fun spell too. Aid is also one that's kind of underrated. Anyway. Level six, potent cantrips. The spellcaster can add the spellcasting ability modifier to the damage it deals with any cantrip. That is a fantastic ability. So normally only warlocks can, well, that's not true, not only warlocks, but very few spellcasting classes actually gain the ability to add ability modifiers to their damage. Most of the time, it is just some amount of dice, and that's that. So, considering that a damage of cantrip does grow as the character levels up, so at this point, uh, let's just use Sacred Flame as the example, since that's the first one on top for me right now. So, at past fifth level, Sacred Flame deals 2d8. So, once they gain potent cantrip, that just grows even farther to add their spellcasting ability modifier which would make it 2d8 plus 3, so plus 3 damage to all of their damage cantrips
1: for both the healer and the mage is a fantastic boost in ability. Alrighty then, so now let's go on to level 7 here.
0: So level seven is definitely a milestone in terms of sidekicks here. So they gain quite a bit more. So it looks like at level seven, they gain an additional second level spell slot. As well as.
1: Three third level spell slots and a fourth level spell slot. So. That's kind of odd. They kind of jump in power quite quickly here that's odd but that does indeed appear to be the case so they gain also the spells
0: so i'll just start on the healer end second level spell lesser restoration third level spells protection from energy and revivify which is always useful and then the fourth level spell death ward and then the mage gains access to flaming sphere for second level Third level spells, fireball and fly. And the fourth level spell, wall of fire. So in terms of actual spell selection, this mage definitely is kind of on the fire side of things, which is quite nice. Wait a minute. Okay, so one thing that it also didn't mention, they also seem to have picked up cure
1: wounds for the healer, as well as uh, burning hands for the mage. So that's nice.
0: So there's, yeah, it doesn't actually mention the spells that get picked up as it ought to. So that's unfortunate. So keep your eyes on that if you are building these. Uh, One thing that I should also just mention, come to think of it, I probably should have mentioned this a while ago. In the event that you do have D&D Beyond, they do have every single level of sidekicks available in D&D Beyond. in a stupid stupid place. Like even if you just search sidekicks, it does not come up easily. So in D&D Beyond, there is a tag kind of on the character sheet or just a tab, I should say, that just says extras. And on extras, you can just add basically creatures to your character's character sheet so that is meant to be something like useful for wild shape forms or useful if you have you know a weird mount or just a horse in general and you could just add this to have easy access to it on your character sheet and in that extras tab is where sidekicks live so you can just add you know 4th level expert 11th level healer so it is just added as an extra onto the character sheet, which is a stupid place to put it, but whatever, that's where it is. Anyway, uh, Spellcaster 8th level, Ability Score Improvement, improve Intelligence for a Mage or Wisdom for a Healer by 2, and then also gain an additional 4th level spell slot, and the spell Banishment for Healers or Polymorph for a Mage then at ninth level they will gain a fourth level and a fifth level spell slot as
1: well as a fifth level spell greater restoration for a healer or cone of cold for a mage so now i'm flipping to the next book once again all right let's see then at 10th level, spellcasters get empowered spells. Choose
0: a school of magic. Whenever the spellcaster casts a spell of that school by expending a spell slot, the spellcaster can add its ability, spellcasting ability modifier to the damage or healing roll,
1: if any. So, that is quite interesting. So, Spells of Magic are
0: the way that spells are kind of sorted out in D&D. So that is things like abjuration for the protection spells, conjuration for things that are created, divination for getting information and on and on and on. So the fact that you can just choose one and then add your ability score modifier to rolls, damage or healing is really useful. So the fact that this would mean, then, that if you do have, you know, Cure Wounds for the healer, then that is an evocation type spell, which means it's kind of dealing with energy. So this would allow you, then, to add your ability score modifier to the damage. So even though Cure Wounds normally already adds your modifier, because it is specific beats general, this lets you add it again. So this would mean then that if you have a spellcaster healer of this level and you have, you know, whatever it is at this point, uh, plus three to your wisdom. So that would mean that even a first level cure wounds, instead of just healing a D8 plus three, would add another three to be a D8 plus six for every single casting of the spell. That's fantastic. Or for the mage, if you're casting, you know, Fireball, which is actually also an evocation spell, so that's convenient. Actually, yeah, a lot of the spells they have are evocation-related, so that's a handy one to pick for this. Anyway, so so having Fireball deal 8d6 plus 3, it's just that little bit of extra fuck you, which is always nice. So also still at 10th level, they also gain an additional cantrip, Spare the Dying for Healers or Shocking Grasp for a Mage. And an additional 5th level spell slot and 5th level spell. Mass Cure Wounds for the Healer or Hold Monster for the Mage. And at 11, they gain yet more spellcasting. A 6th level spell slot and spell. Heal for the Healer or Chain Lightning for the Mage. And finally,
1: we move on to the fourth book to find the level 12 stuff. There we go. Spellcaster, ability score improvement. So the
0: intelligence of a mage or wisdom of a healer goes up by two, boosting everything up. So makes sense. Level 12, that is the typical milestone for that. So, yeah, that's that's it. That is all there is to know about Sidekicks. It is not the most user friendly system at this time. I do sincerely hope that at some point in the near future, perhaps even in the new book coming out next month, that maybe they will actually add. All of it just in one place that would make our lives a lot easier. But anyway, uh, disregarding the issues that I do have with the system, I do believe that the idea of it and the basics of its rules are a fantastic resource for Dungeon Masters or just for new players or just for players who just are in the mood to play a simpler class. The. The fact that it is still very solid choices, even if it does lack in versatility, gives solid options for all those people I mentioned to have a simple but fun gaming experience, as well as a resource to flush out a low member party, which is another topic that we will be talking about in the near future.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of
0: Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. So, so support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tier tier stars lower as a dollar and even that much really helps us out, us get benefits such as behind the scenes content, only access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord, where we would chat with the cast and even a shout out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook as riffwake and on Reddit on the subreddit, r slash podcast And Now send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffsandrules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.